This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We jump to week number two in the courtrooms of heaven. Again, I, I welcome you to get the Bible in you because I'm going to give you a large, large dose of the Word of God. And some of you will say, well, what's new? Well, again, the only thing that changes is the Word of God. You know the truth, the truth will set you free. So once you get a Bible, go with me to Daniel chapter 7. Then we'll go from Daniel 7 to Psalms 139. Now, we've been talking about the courts of heaven. One of our main texts is uh, Hebrews 4.16. It says to come boldly, to come boldly without reservation to the throne room of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of help or need. What an invitation to come boldly. Now, what you're going to begin to see to take place this morning is anything that God's ever done, he's written a book about it. And so our theme today will be many times just seeing the different books and the things that God's written about. So we begin in Daniel chapter number 7, verse number 9. I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days, God the Eternal Father, was seated. The New Living said he sat down to judge. So it's like a courtroom setting immediately. And his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. And his throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him, and a thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the court was seated, or the court was in session. The courts of heaven were seated. Now, listen to what the Amplified says on that part of that verse. The judge was seated, and the court was in session. And so you get the idea that even in heaven there's a courtroom setting. And he ends in verse 10, and he says, And the books were open." The books were open, so evidently there's something written in these books. And it'd be interesting to find out some of the things were written in these books. So go with me to Psalm 139, and we'll begin to take that way as, as to find out some of these questions. And understand that God had a heavenly register. That he began to write things. And he wrote things about you, and he wrote things about me. And in Psalms 139, we start in verse 13. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You've interwoven me. The literal translation for this verse says, For you have created my mind, the part of my mind that initiates your plans and your ideas. And so, God has a plan. He has an idea for every one of us in this room. And this will begin to unfold here today. Verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, here's a great, a great question to ask every one of us today. When was the last time you praised God for Him wonderfully and fearfully creating you? Have we ever done that? Have you ever stood before the Almighty God and say, Father God, I, I thank you for creating me. And what typically happens with us as human beings that as we go through life, we try to find things about ourselves that we don't like. I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too thin, I'm too chunky, whatever. 
I'm not smart enough. I'm, and then if that doesn't work, we have the tendency to begin to try to compare ourselves to other people. I wish I was like that person. I wish this was happening. But again, King David says right here, I praise you for you wonderfully and fearfully created me. You know, every one of us in this room are so unique that there's not another person on this planet that has your fingerprints. And so God knew what he was doing when he created every one of us. And understand this, there are no oops in the kingdom of God. Okay? You're not here by mistake. God created every one of us. And he goes on to say in this verse, Marvelous are your works. And David right here, he's in awe of God's handiwork. And he ends this verse and he says, And that my soul knows very well. That within the DNA of my soul, I know I'm created by God. Verse 15. While my frame or my body was not hidden from you, when I was made in secret and skillfully brought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance. Think about your eyes. Your eyes are visionary. And he said, my eyes, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book... They were all written or they were all recorded. What was written or recorded? Now, ooh, this will bless you right here, the end of verse 17. Or verse 16. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. Note what he just said. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. He didn't say how evil or bad your thoughts are to me. How precious are your thoughts. And so understand, the very things that God has written in these books about us are that of the very precious thoughts that he has toward each one of us. And he ends verse 17 and says, how great is the sum of them. There are so many of them. For every one of us in this room, those precious thoughts. Now, if God's thoughts toward me are precious and he wrote about them in the book, then why in my life do I experience bad and evil? Understand this, when we are born into this world, we come with a sinful nature. Every one of us. That within our bloodline, because of the sins that Adam and Eve created, this is how we're born. In other words, how many of you had to be taught how to sin? All right, kids, we're going to class today. We're going to learn about how to lie. And it never had to happen. Okay, we got uh, cursing 101. We're all going to go. No, we're born that way. And the second big thing that I must point out today, that every one of us in this room, God created us as free will beings. In other words, he gives me and you the ability to choose. He gave you the ability to choose today. How many of you did a big angel tie you up and throw you in the car and say you're going to church today? That didn't happen. You chose. So that's what God gives us the ability to do. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he said, I set before you this day life and death, blessing, cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so God wants us to, to choose. To choose life. And so he gave every one of us that ability. So what happens in life, not only because of our sinful nature, 
We start making bad choices. And we start making wrong choices. And we start making sinful choices. And remember the word sin last week. We described it as a word that means to trespass. So when I sin, I cross the line. I go where God never intended me to be. And because of sin in my life, I get further and farther off the track that God desires me to live in. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, we're not going to go real long today, probably two or three hours. So, just kidding. Blessed are the short-winded, for they will be invited back. That's not a proverb, okay? Proverbs chapter, or Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going. So, in asking you these questions that we're talking about here, the very things that separate or sever my relationship with God is not only sin... But when I refuse to repent of my sin. And when we talk about repentance, many times we viewed repentance as a negative. Repentance isn't a negative. Repentance is a positive. Repentance is a blessing. I used to look and I used to think, well, when people repent of sin, man, they're just acknowledging how bad of a person they are. Well, I was a bad person. I made bad choices. And so if I would begin to view repentance as a, as a positive, but also repentance, and when I, I change the way I live, I begin to hook back to the relationship that God always desired for me to have with him. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he, Jesus, came to the world, he said, or he spoke to the Father, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now, the type of sacrifice and offering he was talking about, that if you go back into the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus 16, in the Old Testament, one of the most celebrated days of the year was a, was a day called the Day of Atonement. And in that day, the priest would go into the temple, and he would offer a, a bull on the altars and a goat, for the sacrifice of people's sin, okay? Now, in this verse, he says the Lord Jesus, sacrifice an offering you did not desire. So what did he desire? But a body you have prepared for me. So when we look at this right here, Jesus understood that Father God was looking for a man who would come to earth and would be able to walk this earth without sin. That was Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus, he was not only the accepted sacrifice, he was perfect. And God received it. Why was the sacrifice of, of the goats and the bulls on the altar not enough? And I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Look with me in Hebrews verse 3 and 4 and then we'll jump to verse 6. Verse 3 says, but in those sacrifices, the sacrifice of bulls and goats, there is a reminder of sin every year. I don't know about you, but when I read the scriptures right now, and the Lord said that when you sin and you repent of it, your sins and your evil ways, he said, I'll remember no more. I'll throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. It says as far as it is from the east and west. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. The animal sacrifices... They could not remove the guilt of sin. But Jesus could. 
Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. You weren't pleased. Again, they couldn't take away the guilt and the shame. Now watch verse 7 right here. Pay close attention. Then I said, this is the Lord Jesus. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So the very thing that God spoke about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was written in a book. And Jesus said, I came in the volume of what was written to me in that book. And he ends in verse 7 and says, to do your will. So the things that God wrote about Jesus had to do with the will of God being done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Look with me in verse 11 now. And every priest stands ministering daily and offered repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Couldn't do it. Verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. You know why Jesus sat down? Because the job was finished. You don't sit down until it's finished. How do we know it was finished? Remember Jesus' last words on the cross? It is finished. So right here, again, we see in the Bible that Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for every one of us. Verse 13, from that time, wait until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's me and you. So let me break that down and give you my paraphrased edition of this. Every one of us in this room and every person on this earth, we were all bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with what Jesus did, it came an eternal warranty. A warranty that's not 90 days, same as cash, but it's eternal warranty. And so because of the blood of Jesus... We can walk without the guilt of shame of our past, our present, and we can say, Lord, your blood still speaks to this day. Now, the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, me and you, having boldness or confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So guess what? As a brethren... As a child of God. And that word brethren literally means you're born again. You've given Jesus your heart. Made him Lord of your life. He said you can come boldly. You can come with confidence. Into the holy of holies. The place where God's at. Because of his blood. So what begins to take place here. As we see is. Jesus came to earth as a man. He came as the son of man. Not the son of God. And Jesus walked this earth, and over and over and over, you'll find out that the devil tried to get him to sin, especially in Matthew 4. You see that. Why did the devil try to get him in sin? Because if he knew he got him to sin, then Jesus could not fulfill Father God's will here on earth. So just like sin knocks us out of track of alignment, it would have done the same thing to Jesus. But Jesus never did sin. And because of that, me and you were blessed. Now, here's what this begins to look like. And you may need to go back and listen to the podcast last week. But in Revelations 12, chapter 10, 
Revelations chapter 12, verse 10. It says, the accuser of the brethren goes before God day and night and accuses them. Remember the word accuser is your opponent in a court of law. So literally, here's what begins to take place. Me and you have prayer requests here on earth. We go to Father God in the name of Jesus and we begin to petition Him. And so as our prayers go before God, the devil, our opponent in court, the accuser, it says that he goes before God day and night and accuses them. That word accuses there means that he withholds or retains. So in a court of law, we begin to pray and and the devil looks at God and says, you can't answer their prayers. You're a just God. You never change and you never lie. And so the evidence that keeps God from answering our prayers is Romans 3.23. That every one of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 6.23 it says the wages of sin is death. So guess what happens? He begins to accuse us and because the accusations are right, he's able to withhold or retain the very things we're petitioning God for. And so for God to, uh, to uh, make a decision or a verdict, me and you must make a plea. Remember the word plea is to confess guilt or not guilty in a court of law. So we come into the court of law and Father God would say, how do you plead? Now if I come by my own abilities or my own resume, I'm guilty. Every one of us in this room are guilty. I've sinned. And so the devil says, I demand the death penalty. Maybe not literally physically death, but a death-like existence. That happened with Adam and Eve. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? It said they died immediately spiritually. They lived a death-like existence even though they were alive in a physical body. But when we read Revelations 12, 11... Everything changes. Revelations 12, 11 says, They, me and you, we overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. So now I come into the courtroom of God, and God says, I need to make a verdict on your behalf. How do you plead? And before the great judge, the Most High, the Ancient of Days, I say, Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. And I ask you to release the very things that the accuser of the brethren has tried to withhold from my life. And Father God pops the gavel and he says, innocent by the blood of Jesus. So here's what begins to take place in my own life. Let me me just quote this verse to you. This is John 1, verse 14. It says that the Word became flesh. The Word of God became flesh. What would that mean? That the Lord Jesus became flesh to what was written in the Word of God. And so because the Word became flesh, Jesus came to the earth to fulfill Father God's will. And so we know throughout Scripture that for for century after century, the devil, he tried to exterminate the Hebrew, the Jewish race. And we go back to the Christmas story with Jesus. Remember, Herod, when he was born, tried to kill him. 
You know why? He never wanted the will of God to take place on this earth. And he knew if I can kill him now or I can get him into sin, I've got him. That's why the devil, the thief, John 10, 10 says he comes to kill and steal and destroy every one of us. Because when we start living the will of God in our life, he takes notice. And so Jesus comes to the earth as a man. And he walks out what was written in the books. And he speaks that same thing to me and you. I believe with all my heart that the very precious thoughts and the things that he wrote about us, he wants us to live them out. So how does that happen, Pastor? I come in here, and I come into the throne room of grace. Now think about this. If you're in a court of law here in America right now, when the judge comes walking in, they say, all rise. They don't say if you like him, if you agree with him. They just say, all rise. You know what? Out of honor, everybody rises. So when we come into the courts, the throne room of grace, when we come into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lamb, I believe this is our greatest posture right here. I come before the God of the universe. Number one, in order to come in, it says brethren. I must be born again. What does that mean? I've given my heart to Jesus. So I come in as the Son of God. And I said, Father God, I ask for your grace and your mercy today. And I said, Lord, I repent of all my sin. I confess my sin, Lord, I've sinned. And it's important that we understand this. That we get our hearts right and we repent of our sins. And I'm not talking about just an oral confession. I'm talking about a a sorrowful that says, Lord, I, I don't want to disappoint you anymore. And then after our hearts are right, you know what you do? And I say, Father God, by the blood of Jesus, I ask you to open up the scrolls, the books, the precious thoughts that you wrote about me. And I ask, Father God, that your kingdom come, your will be done right through my life here on earth as it is in heaven. Have you done that? Oh, yeah, I've done that. I've done that on a daily basis now, almost for six to eight weeks. And I come right here before the altar of God. And I begin to cry out and I say, Father God, I want to be right with you. I come under the blood of Jesus. And I will tell you this, I've seen significant change in my life. I'm beginning to dream and have visions and stuff like I've never had. And so I told you a week ago, it seems like in my life that day by day, I'm repenting and pleading the blood. I'm repenting. And again, if the only way we can overcome by the blood of Jesus, then let's come under the blood every day. And some of you are going through incredible trials and and tribulations and things right now. Come under the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm sitting here the other day and I'm thinking about many of you in this church. And I thought... Lord, the only way some of these ones in this church have made it is because of the blood of Jesus. I mean, again, in my own life, I know if I wouldn't give my heart to Jesus and come under the blood, I would be either in prison or I would be dead. I know that. The course that I was going on. Many of you can identify, you know, one, one of the, the people that came to my heart, and, and I'll come in here and I'll begin to speak the blood over many of you. It's incredible how many of you guys face this. 
I'll see. And the Lord will say, just speak the blood over them. And so the other day I was in here praying, and many youth faces came up. And, and Keith Ayers, just raise your hand. Keith's right there. His, his, his face came to me. And I just began to speak the blood over Keith and Jamie and their children, Hannah and Jake. And, and here's a guy that talking about overcoming by the blood. And I know there's several of you in here that have had to bury your children, but his own son committed suicide. And I've seen, I've seen what Keith's done, and I've seen how he's overcome. And you look at those situations in life, and you think, the only way that we don't lose everything, we lose our mind, the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. The reason I highlighted that with Keith, you keep coming under the blood. I mean, it's, it's this way at times. Father God, I just come under the blood of Jesus today. I need, over, I need help today. How many of your situation, right? You need something to help you overcome. I'll raise both my hands and my feet. And so if he says the only way we overcome is by the blood of Jesus, Lord Jesus, I come under your blood again today. And I speak your blood over my eyes and my mind and my thoughts. Now, Ephesians chapter 2. Begin with me in verse 1. And you, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you, Father God, through the Lord, made us alive because we were full of trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so when you begin to see that, we were all, we, we were spiritually and morally dead and we needed someone and Jesus came. But here in verse two, the mood and manner of society is shaped by the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? That's another name for the devil. And so when you see what the devil does, he tries to control globally, even nations, and he tries to set the tone for societies. Now, we've all experienced that. I mean, you go into certain cities of America and you can say, ooh, that's a dark city. How many of you ever been to Las Vegas? Man, after about two or three days of that stuff, I say, i got to get out of here. This is what he's talking about. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature or character children of wrath, just as the others. So again, that was our nature. That of wrath. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in His mercy because of His great love, which He loved us, even we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So the only way I can be saved is through the Lord Jesus and the grace of God. Verse 6, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, there's three togethers in verse 5 and 6. The first one, if you go back to verse 5, it said that he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. That has to do with his resurrection, that Jesus rose from the grave. The second one right there, 
He goes on and says in verse 6, you've been raised up together with him. It's talking about Jesus' ascension into heaven. And the last one, he said, we've been made to sit together in heavenly places. And so that has to do with his present rule or what he gives me and you authority to do right here on earth. He's with us. Now, for time's sake, jump with me to verse 10. For we are all his workmanship. We are his handiwork. When you read about what he's talking about here, before our giving our heart to Jesus, our lives had no rhyme or reason. But now because Jesus is in our hearts, we become his poem, we become his artwork, and he goes on to say we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What we're recreated for, for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So he's telling me there, God prepared stuff for us beforehand, way, 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 way back. Those precious thoughts. And then he ends this verse and says that we should walk in them. So you know what? God's ultimate goal is the very things that he's thought about us, the things he's wrote about us. He's saying, man, I want you to go in them. I want you to walk in them. I want you to be in them. Now, I'm going to have him put this up on the Amplified. Watch this in the Amplified and see not if this doesn't come alive. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and many ready for us. And so you begin to see God's got plans for every one of us. And when we see the word predestined, many times we have this thought. Well, if God predestined those things for us, then why aren't I walking in them? Again, I have a choice and a will. And any time I allow my life to become dominated by sin, I get off track. So if I would get my life back to the Lord, and I would repent of all my sin, and I would ask Jesus to come back in and reopen all those things you thought about me. Watch what we begin to take place. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.